We are ending our series um, entitled He Is, uh, ending in the last chapter, John, looking at the person uh, and character of uh, Jesus Christ, who the uh, the word says that he is. As we've talked about, right, Jesus uh, Christ is more than just our homeboy, though he's our friend. He's more than just our homeboy. He's more than just uh, some relic. Right. That we keep in our house that's on the shelf there. And uh, uh, we pull out every once in a while and, and give praise to. No, no. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And because of that. Right. The call for us. Right. Is to see him as such and in turn choose uh, to live for uh, him. Uh, that is the Jesus of uh, the scripture. And we're ending our series uh, this morning. Uh, there in John chapter 20. Before we dive into the text, though, I want to go ahead and give a a, a precursor to what's ahead. Uh, next week, we're beginning a new series uh, entitled How to Be uh, Great, uh, looking at uh, uh, the four greats. The next four weeks here, looking at the four greats that we see in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, as I dropped here, we've got some uh, invite cards. Man, you want to invite friends and family to come be a part of this. You can pick some up as you leave today. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Right. Looking at Jesus. Uh, And then we'll look at the three uh, greats that we see towards the end of uh, the book of Matthew. Right. Uh, uh, The great commandment. Uh, The second week, we'll look at the great uh, compassion, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 25. And then we'll look at the great commission at the end of the book in Matthew chapter 20. So you make sure uh, that you guys join us uh, starting next week. All right. John chapter 21. Verse 15, if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there, church. And uh, if you don't have a word with you, the verses will be on the screen. You can follow along. Uh, But this is what the word of the Lord says. Jesus has just reappeared uh, to his disciples uh, for uh, a second time, uh, a third time for some. And it says that the disciples were fishing at the beginning of the chapter, right? uh, uh, They couldn't catch nothing. Jesus shows up, says, hey, why don't you cast your net to this side, man? And they they end up catching a whole bunch of fish, which, by the way, Brother Cliff, isn't it interesting? Hey, whenever we choose to trust in Jesus and listen to him, man, isn't it interesting when we choose to do that, man? And when we choose to understand that his way is best. Disciples were doing one thing. Jesus, hey, cast your net on the other side, man. And they caught a whole bunch of fish, man. They saw the blessing that came with following Jesus. And that is true uh, today. And then we see right to John narrow in, zoom in on the Apostle Peter, man, who we find in a pretty uh, broken up uh, state. And so verse 15, this is uh, what we see here. This is the word of the Lord it says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he, talking about Simon Peter, said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. He, talking about Jesus, said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said a third time to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter then was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. 
This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. We see this exchange here between Jesus and Simon Peter, perhaps uh, known Simon Peter was as, man, the most zealous of the disciples. He was the dude that said, hey, Jesus and John said, hey, we'll follow you wherever you go. He was the dude, man, that, hey, was so zealous after the Lord whenever he, Jesus was getting betrayed in the garden. Remember, Peter pulled out his sword and cut that dude's ear off. Man, hey, he was zealous after him, fired up. And then, as you know, something along the way happened. Right. Jesus foretold of it, but he ended up denying the very Jesus that he was passionate for three times. Rooster crowed and we see that he fled. He saw the resurrected Christ, man. He saw that he was the Lord, but man, he was still broken up and beat up. And in this moment, you can see it there. Uh, scholars say, man, they were sitting around a campfire, similar to the campfire that he was sitting at whenever he betrayed Jesus. And Jesus, man, he asked him three different times, hey, do you love me? And that third time that he asked him, you can see Peter probably, man, just begin to, to uh, remember all that took place just a few days prior. Him denying this Jesus. And you can see the shame. And the guilt that he had there. Hey, but we see here by the end of this passage that this Jesus, man, he restores Peter, man, and calls him once again to follow him. Aren't you glad, hey, we serve a God, man, that is able to restore? Bible says, man, that the God that we serve is a great redeemer, redeems us from the pit. But he also, man, can restore us from those broken places and pick us up and lead us again. I've entitled the message today, right, following our Redeemer. Hey, because Jesus, man, has redeemed us from the pit, he saved us, right, has bought us back. That's what that word redeem means, bought us back from death to life. Because he is the great restorer. Whenever we fall down, whenever we fall back into those pits, man, he can restore us and bring it up because he is those things. The call for us is to follow him, it's to follow him, following our redeemer. Won't we pray one more time? Lord God, we do love you. We thank you. We thank you. God, for your love for us, Lord, that uh, you are the great uh, redeemer, the great restorer. Lord, I pray right now. God, in Jesus' name, for those that, uh, man, feel broken up, beat up, Lord, took everything within them to get here this morning. They feel guilty, shameful because they feel like they failed you again. I pray that you'd remind them, Lord, that you've redeemed them and you're able to restore them. God, are still able to use them. We thank you that you're a God who forgives. God, who reconciles. And so, Lord, we ask that you continue to be with us this morning as we dive into your word. We love you. We thank you. We ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, A book written by a pastor named Scott Samuels. And in one of the books, he writes about the many times he has officiated weddings. Uh, and uh, the conversations that he has with uh, uh, the bride and groom, but also the, the bridal party there, 
right, specifically to broader part is, hey, whenever you're standing up there looking, you know, pretty looking handsome in front of the crowd, make sure, right, that you don't lock your knees. Because, hey, you know what happens if you lock your knees for a certain amount of time. Hey, you'll pass out. You'll faint. And he talks about in the book how there have been uh, uh, five different weddings where there's been a member of the bridal party not listen to him, end up locking their knees, right, and fainting in the middle of uh, the uh, wedding time. And, and what he mentioned was, thankfully, he hadn't had to be one to administer Right to aid in that moment there in all those ways, there's been medical professionals that uh, step up right in in, uh, the time of need. Right. And resuscitate the person that's fainted. Right. And restore them essentially to right to their rightful place, standing there right next to the bride and uh, the groom. Right. He says in the book, right, that even though they had fainted, they they had uh, fallen, embarrassed. Man, hey, the medical professional, man, they're able to get them back up. And by the, hey, the time the ceremony's over, it might be a little woozy during the ceremony, but by the time the ceremony's over and on the reception, they're out there dancing and having a good time with the rest. Hey, hey, can I, can I tell you this? Listen, hey, in the same way, man, that's what our God is able to do with us. Hey, the times that we feel like we failed him thousands and thousands of times, which is going to happen. Man, our God is faithful. Man, hey, to meet us where we are, right, and restore us to that place. Right, and as a result of him restoring us, man, the call for us then is to follow him more closely. Hey, it's not a call, right, to, as some believed in the first century, uh, this, uh, uh, you know, fancy term for it is antinomianism. It's not this call, right, to say, hey, because God is able to restore, man, let me just do whatever I want. Because I know, hey, he's going to restore me, man, all these amounts of times. No, no, him restoring us right ought to lead us, man, to love him more and to choose to follow him more closely. Closely. We see right this God restore Peter here in John chapter 21. Again, Peter, man, hey, he was a dude. They was known as being the zealous apostle. He was the dude that was all in, sold out. And he figured, man, he let the Lord down. And by betraying him. And he finds himself in a guilty place, man, a broken place. And we see Jesus meet him here and restore him. And as a result, right, he calls for him to follow. This morning, I want to highlight what following Jesus looks like based on what we see here in the scripture. You may say, Pastor, I've known Jesus a long time, man. You're talking about following him. That's elementary stuff. Can I go ahead and just keep 100? We need to be reminded of the elementary stuff every now and again. Hello. We need to be reminded of the elementary stuff. Some of you, hey, you might be knowing Jesus for a while, but man, you may not be following him as closely as you should. I want to look at what the scripture says right here in John chapter 21 on what it looks like to follow our Redeemer. Uh, the first way that we follow our Redeemer is this. Hey, we, we choose to love him with all of our heart. Following our Redeemer looks like choosing to love him with all of our heart. It's it's interesting. It's interesting here, Sister Kelly, that the the first questions that Jesus gives to Peter here, write it in. Hey, what have you done for me lately, Peter? Hey, what what stuff have you done for me? The questions that he asks here is, hey, do, do you love me? Do you love me? Hey, the first step, man, in following our Redeemer is choosing to love him, man, with all. 
of our heart. Man, and we see Peter here, man, was one that thought that he did. Man, but he missed it. He missed it. And perhaps, man, we fall victim to that as well. I know I do. Man, so easy to think, hey, man, they, the, uh, uh, what my Christian life is about is solely doing things uh, for God. Uh, yes, it's important to do things for him. Right, but the basis and why we do things for him is because of our love and adoration for him. If not, it just becomes something that's rote. It just becomes, you know, a, a process that we do, a checklist that we're a part of. The first step, man, in us walking with the Lord is choosing to love him. Now, the question begs, hey, what is love? What's love here? I think a great picture of that. Y'all probably had this read at your weddings, right? Is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Paul talks about what love is and gives some description uh, to uh, it. Says this, hey, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Those in here who are married, you can probably attest to this. Those in here who are parents, you can probably attest to this. Right. We know that love is a verb. Right. It's it requires action. That is the call there. But listen, in in order for this passage to be real in your marriage, right, and in your family, you know that it starts with just being with that person, those people. You, you, You know that right. The first step in loving somebody is just choosing to be with them. Be close to them. That, that, that's what love is. It, it, it is, yes, obedience. But it's obedience rooted in just wanting to be with our Lord. It's obedience rooted in, man, adoration for Him as a result of being with Him. Man, it's wanting to hang out with Him. It's learning how to just be with Him. It's when we learn to commune with our Lord that our admiration for him grows our affections for him grow our willingness to serve and live for him grows man hey it's learning how to just be with the lord hey when's the last time you've just been with him hey it's when we choose to be with him man that our affections and our admiration for him grow it's when we're with him you may say pastor what does it look like to be with him. Does it look like, you know, what certain Eastern religions deem to be just hang out just in an empty room, right, for hours on end? Not necessarily. Man, it looks like this. Man. Hey, man, spending time, man, seeking his face in prayer. Hey, spending time, man, in the scripture. Spending time, man, hey, praising and worshiping him. It's being with him. Hey, some of you, you know, we talk about feeling, you know, God and folks like, oh, man, hey, you know, Christianity isn't about, isn't about feelings. It's not just about feelings, but hey, feelings are involved with it. The Lord gave us feelings for a reason. Hello. But some of you are thinking, man, I hadn't man, sensed God, man, felt God in a while. Hey, perhaps it's because 
you haven't chosen to draw close to him. Hey. Man, our love for the Lord grows when we choose to spend time with him. Look at some of these quotes and then we'll move on to the next point here. From Dallas Willard, talking about loving God. The key then to loving God is to see Jesus, to hold him before the mind with as much fullness and clarity as possible. It is to adore him. Bernard of Clairvaux says it like this. The true measure of loving God is to love him without measure. To say that, hey, I'm all in for him. Hey, no matter if I get my way or not. I'm all in for him. Hey, no conditions attached. And then Francis Chan, you may know that name. Famous pastor on the West Coast. He says about love. Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter? Unless your life is about loving God and loving the people he has made. Man, following him consists of loving him with all of our heart. The question is, do you love him? Do you love him? And following him starts with loving him. Secondly, move on here fairly quickly. We see here in the text, hey, what does it look like to follow our Redeemer? It's loving him with all of our heart. But secondly, it's choosing to live a life of service for uh, him. Jesus asked Peter, hey, do you love me? Peter says, yes, sir. Hey, you know I do, Lord. You know I do. Then, hey, tend my lambs. An action there. Ask him again, hey, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. The call, right, for Peter, as a result of, right, to his declaration of love for Jesus, was to choose to live, to live a life serving him, tending the sheep, feeding the lambs, right? It speaks of service. Speaks of service and the call for uh, Peter and the call for us, man, is to choose uh, to serve uh, the Lord, man, live a life of service for him. How can I just I'm just going to go ahead and keep it 100 again. Can go ahead and say this here. How can we say that we love God? And choose right to regulate our Christian life to a once a week, one hour Sunday experience. How can we say that we love God and, and we choose not to serve uh, him, serve the body? Man, following him consists of living a life of service to uh, him. A, a quote by Neil Anderson. He says it like this. We don't serve God to gain his acceptance. We are accepted. So we serve God. We don't follow him in order to be loved. We are loved. So therefore, we choose to follow uh, him. And then Charles Spurgeon said it like this. One of the greatest rewards that we ever receive for serving God is the permission to do still more for him. The call for us is to serve the Lord. Man, serve his people. Whatever that looks like. I remember when I was in high school, um, got the chance to go on a mission trip to uh, to Wyoming. Right. And uh, and I remember being a little hesitant, Brother Devin, you understand, being a fellow Texan. Right. To Wyoming's a little too far north and a little too far west for me. You know, I, I don't know much about the, the state of Wyoming. I just know, man, even in the summer, it may be a little cool. I'm used to, hey, 98 with, a, you know, 95 percent humidity. I, I didn't I, I didn't know what to do with it being in the 60s there. 
But I remember going and we went to, hey, you know, small little, uh, uh, you know, served in a small little trailer park in Cheyenne and then went to the Capitol, Laramie, and, and helped out some at a little uh, church there, cowboy church. And I remember first thing in Brother Dwayne, well, I'm definitely not a cowboy. I don't know how I'm going to fit, you know, in this context. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I remember being asked to help, you know, run uh, uh, the uh, uh, recreation time. Right. I remember seeing the kids, Brother Ryan, and thinking, man, hey, ain't none of these kids athletes. What are we supposed to do? I mean, I try and kick a soccer ball. Man, they trip over the soccer ball, fall down, throw a football. Right. Hits them in the face. It's like, dude, it was a little a little toss that my five year old sister could have caught, you know, but that's neither here nor there. I, I remember thinking, man, what what am I supposed to do? Here, I remember struggling early on, but then right as the week ended up going, seeing all that God was doing right in the life of the church that week and getting to understand the fact that, man, I, I, I got to play, man, a little part, man, in, in, in a sense, in building God's kingdom. Folks growing closer to the Lord. Even though they couldn't catch a football, even though they couldn't kick a soccer ball. Man, I, I, I got to play a little part. What a privilege. What a privilege. Hey, the, the same truth, man, applies to us in here, man. Hey, serving the Lord, man, it's not just something that we do out of rope, man. It's an opportunity that we have to be able, man, to play a part and help and build God's kingdom here on earth. Be a part in seeing folks come to faith. What a privilege. God doesn't need us. Bible talks about that in Book Acts. He's a God who need not be served by human hands. He can, hey, he can do whatever he needs to do without our help. Hello. He can. But he allows for us, man, to play a part. And so, hey, the call for us, man, as a result of that is to live a life of service for him. Man, serve him. Serve him. He talks about, right, uh, we see here in the scripture what it looks like, man, to, uh, to serve. Uh, the Lord and his people, right? He talks about it in this way. He says, hey, feed my lambs. Then he says, tend my sheep, right? Talks about it a few different ways. Uh, the first way that we see him talk about it here, what that means is this. Hey, how, how do we serve the Lord? Hey, we, we choose to care for people, care for people, care for God's people in this context, right? Hey, Jesus was setting Peter up to see and understand, hey, he's going to be, man, one of the leading guys in the first century church. The call for him was to care for people, meet the needs within the body, encourage uh, the body. Understand that, hey, uh, this uh, church body, this assembly, believe it's more than just a sea of faces. It's more than just, hey, just a group of people from different places that are coming together just to hang out for a little while. No, no, no. We're a family. If you're in Christ, we're your family. Your family. The call is to care for them. Careful. Now, I understand, right? You know, on you know, on normal Sunday, kids included, man, we have, you know, 250 to 275 folks here. So are you saying, hey, Pastor Irv, are you supposed are we supposed to care for every single person? No, no, no. no. You, you, you can't. It's hard to do that. But that's where, hey, what we call family groups come in. Hey, where you connect, man, with other believers in a smaller group setting, get to know them. Fellowship with them. Hey, get to see the needs that are. There. If you're not plugged into a family group, hey, get plugged into one, man. Information's in your bulletin. Hey, that, that's where your faith becomes your family. And you're able to serve the needs of other people. And hey, watch this. Hey, other folks are able to serve you in your point of need. Man. We're called to care for uh, the body. 
Call to care for the body. Galatians 5.13 says it like this. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Hey, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom today. Do whatever you want. Choose to simply coast into eternity. But rather, what does it say? Through love, what? Serve one another. And then he says, right in the next chapter over, Galatians 6, 2. Family, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who is spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch for yourself, lest you too be tempted, and then choose to bear one another's burdens. And so, and in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. Hey, care for the people, right? That's how we serve those within the body. But also, hey, we serve those within the body by choosing to feed his sheep. Choosing to feed his sheep. Now, is Jesus telling Peter here, hey, make a meal for everybody, right? That's it. Hey, the household of faith. He's not saying that. Now, hey, I'll go ahead and say this free charge, man. If you feel led to make a meal, right, for old Pastor Irv, I'm not going to stop you. Amen. <laughs> I'll go ahead and throw that in free of charge there. But He's not talking about, hey, you know, the physical foot, although that's a way of serving, right, the body. What he's saying is, hey, giving, right, those within the body the truth of the word. You may say, Pastor Herb, I thought that was your job. No, 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 hey, all of us are called. It's been said like this before, hey, not everybody is called to vocational gospel ministry. But watch this, hey, everybody who's saved is called to be ministers of the gospel. And so the call for us, man, hey, is to feed. The sheep, man, by sharing, man, the truth of the word with others. Man, what what does that look like in your life? Man, maybe you're in a season with little kids, man, that are young in the faith. Hey, feed your kids by giving them the truth of uh, the word every single day. Man, hey, those within your community, man, hey, share the truth with them in love, in love. Hey, there's some folks that like to use this. Right to uh, to think that they can live a life, you know, that uh, of pessimism, you know, talk about sharing the truth, but it ended in love. Right. Talk about sharing the truth, but it ended edifying the body. Folks think, oh, man, I'm just sharing this. Hey, because, man, it's of God. No, it ain't. You may be a tool of the enemy. Amen. Hey, the call for us right is to step in right and feed the sheep by sharing the truth and of God. In love with those that are around us. I can't tell you the amount of times in, in my life, man, where, hey, I've been down, downtrodden, man. And somebody led of the Lord, man, sh- shared a truth from his word, man, the prophetic word. Man, to me in that moment that spoke truth to my life. Man, that's what we're called to do as his people. Man, it's to feed his sheep. Second Timothy four. Two, in the context, Paul is talking to the young preacher, Timothy, here, but but this can apply, man, to all believers as well. He says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Man, let's live a life of service for the Lord, man. I've said it before, and I'll go ahead and say it again. I know I'm still young, but I don't want to be... One of those Christians that as Second Peter talks about, man, I got into heaven, brother Rick, but I just escaped hell's flame and I just got in. I ain't got nothing to show for my life here on earth. I'm not trying to be one of those Christians. I'm not. I'm not trying to live a life that just, hey, I'm just coasting through. 
man, I, I want to live a life of service for the Lord, man. I want to be a part of a team. Maybe it's the sports fanatic in me, man. I love being a part of a team, man. Hey, we get a chance to be a part of the greatest team and help build God's kingdom. Man, let's live a life of service for him. That's what it looks like to follow him. Then thirdly and lastly, and I'm done. Man, what does it look like to follow our Redeemer. It's loving him with all of our heart, man. It's living a life of service for him. And then thirdly and lastly, it's laying down our lives in humble submission to him. It's interesting. Uh, Jesus here, after he asked Peter three different times to, if he loved him and called for him to serve him, what he says in verse 18, and make sure to read it in case you forgot it. He just goes right in and says, hey, truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where where you do not want to go. Jesus, hey, was foreshadowing, right, uh, the martyrdom that was coming uh, for Peter, for him following uh, the Lord. Man, he was going to follow Jesus to that he was physically going to lay his life down. Now, in our context here in the United States, man, do we have to worry about uh, being martyred for our faith? Well, not necessarily. We've got, I've got friends, you probably know of folks that live to the east of us, right, that live in countries that are closed, that are fearful of their life for standing for the Lord. But there's a bigger truth, man, to understand from this. Though we may not lose our physical life, right, the call for us in Christ is to lay our Lives down, proverbial lives down every single day in humble sacrifice to him. The call for us is to live our lives as living sacrifices, to understand that, hey, we no longer own our life. We no longer are able to do whatever we want. Hey, when we surrendered our heart and life to Christ, man, hey, we died to ourselves. We gave up our rights. And Jesus rules. He rules. And you may think, oh, man, that's tyranny, man. Hey, that, that, that's dictatorship. And when you think of dictatorship, obviously we think of the negative parts of it, right, from a worldly perspective. But, hey, Jesus' rule and reign in our life was the way that we were supposed to live in the first place, the way we were created to live, man. And, and hey, a walking relationship with our creator. And as the word says in John 10, 10, man, hey, his way, following him, man. In following him, there's life and life abundantly. Him ruling and reigning, man. Hey, it leads to freedom. We can all attest to, man, hey, living our own life, man. Hey, doing whatever we wanted to do. And we know where it ends up. Hey, hey even the world's richest and, and most famous. Man, if, if you were to put a lie detector on them, they'll say the same thing. Without Christ, man, hey, it's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. There's a dude in the Bible that talked about that, actually. Richest man that ever lived. King Solomon. Following, following, it's meaningless. Doing whatever I wanted to do. The call for us in Christ, man, is to lay our life down every single day. Every single day. So what that means is, man, we don't rule and reign our life anymore. In my context, I've got to think through and work through all the time, man. Hey, just because I have a bad week, a bad month. Hey, listen, I can't just pack it in, Brother Dwayne and, and Hightail, back home. Because, man, the Lord's called me to this. In the same way, hey, listen, parents in here. Listen, man, children are struggling. You're in a crazy. You, you can't just pack it up and mail it in. 
Because the Lord's called you to it. Call for you. Hey, even in the stress, even in the struggle, man, it's to lay your life down and say, hey, Lord, hey, I give it to you. I'm going to let you lead. Those within your job, man, hey, those living as hey, ambassadors for Christ, man, outside of you, you can't just pack it up and mail it in. Because remember, you surrendered your rights. He's the boss. And the call is to follow him. But thank God, right, to the one whom we relinquished control to is the one, hey, that has the roadmap. The one that, hey, knows where we ought to go. And he leads us there. Luke 9, 23. Jesus says it himself. He said to all that were there, hey, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So therefore glorify God in your body. In Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the call in following Jesus is to lay our life down every day. Say, hey, Lord, hey, my life is not my own. I give myself away. I give myself to you and let him lead your life. Following our redeemer. I'll close with this. Read a story the other day about a young boy who bought a uh, boat, a toy boat. And uh, they lived uh, near a body of water, so he took it out uh, to the water and put it on the water and, and, and started to control it, but ended up losing control of it. It was a windy day there and tried to go after it, but the boat ended up being out of sight. And so he was sad, left home. The next day after school, he walks by the old uh, store there and he sees there in the window his toy boat. And so he walks in and he tells the store owner, hey, that's my boat. You got my boat there. And he says, well, sorry, son. Uh, And somebody else brought this boat in. So, man, if if you want it, you've got to pay a whole dollar for it. Because, by the way, that's how I knew this story was a little older, man. Toy boat being a dollar, man. You know, that's, that's neither here nor there. So he runs home, and he's got exact change, right? One dollar. Goes back to the store and buys the boat. And as he's walking home, he says this. Wow. I remember when I first bought this boat. You are twice mine now. I... Bought this boat the first time I owned it, and the second time but I redeemed it. I redeemed it. The Jesus that we follow and serve, church, he saved us. Redeemed us, Bible says. Redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3 says. And as we walk with him, we're going to stumble, we're going to trip, we're going to fall. We're going to get mad at him. We're going to wonder where he's at in our life. But the same one who bought us 
is the same one that's able to pick us up when we fall and restore us to our rightful place. And so as a result, hey, choose to follow him. Christian in here that's been a believer for a while, hey, choose to follow him every single day of your life. Hey, new believer in here that's struggling, hey, choose to follow him. Choose to follow our redeemer.